Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Your junior year, I mean, like you said, you you still always kind of wrestle with depression. That's something that's always over your shoulder, but mm -hmm. your sophomore year, you kind of have a little bit of a respite. You, you're starting to, to understand who this Jesus Christ individual is and, and the role that he's going to play in your life. Mm -hmm. Talk us through uh, what comes next. Well, um, pretty much getting ready to go on a mission. Okay. Um, I think after that experience, uh, I really, I really had a really strong history. Um, I made all kinds of comments in seminary. You know, I was really involved with my calling at church. Um, I bore my testimony like everyone. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I was, I was kind of all in. Um, and then I went. Uh, on my mission and then every, everything was real all of a sudden um i i kind of feel like up until my mission it was it was kind of all like practice you know or kind of for fun but then you know once once you're out on initial mission field and you're knee to knee with somebody who's you know going through any number of challenges in their life and they're 40 years your senior um then it's real you know it's not it's not just about you it's about other people in um could i could i tell a story from my mission please yeah okay so there is this guy um so i'll i'll back up a little bit um my so i served in the in the south i served in arkansas and tennessee um and people say arkansas is the uh, the buckle of the bible belt right <laughs> uh, so it's very religious uh everybody knows who jesus is down there um, so sometimes I felt kind of silly saying, I'm a missionary teaching people about Jesus Christ. And people look at me like, we all know who that is. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Go to Cambodia or something. <laughs> well, this is where they sent me. So, um, no, I loved it. Um, but we would, uh, you know, like down in the South, like it's really common just to pray with people, right? Uh, like, you know, on your on their front porch, like I prayed with people in the, uh, you know, meat section at Walmart. Um and and just on the street and so um there was this guy who we would see all the time and uh he would he'd pray with us every time we saw him and um as we're as we're huddling up to say a prayer with him on the side of the road this teenage this teenage boy comes walking by and i kind of grab him and say hey come say a prayer with us um, and pull him into this circle and i was like what is going on <laughs> um and uh, his name was Jalen. um and so we finished the prayer and uh you know our friend willie goes on his way and, um and i said i said to jail hey where do you live can we come by and you know share a message with you sometime and he's like well i just live right over there and went to his house I'm like, okay cool we'll, we'll come by sometime this week um so a few days later we stopped by and uh we ended up teaching a lesson to him and his dad um and his grandpa was there uh his grandpa's name was jimmy and Jimmy was like, you know, very, had a very intimidating kind of permanent scowl on his face. Yeah. Um, and he didn't say anything the entire lesson. He just sat there kind of glaring at us. 
Um, and then at the end of the lesson, you know, we say a prayer and everything, and we get ready to go. And Jimmy says, I have a question. And then he kind of leans forward and he says, why did Christ say on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And um, I kind of had a feeling like he wanted to argue with us, you know, kind of do some Bible bashing. And I had learned, you know, pretty early on, like Bible bashing is not productive and uh, it, it just never gets anywhere. So I kind of uh, sidestep and I say, I got to read up on that. And next time we come back, we'll have an answer for you. And he's like, okay, fine. Um, so the next week, you know, I, I'm like all over the New Testament, you know, talking with the guide and like taking notes. I'm like, I'm ready. You know, I'm going to get this, I'm going to give Jimmy an answer. Um, I'm going to explain the doctrine, right? Yes. Um, and so I've, I've got like a, a sermon prepared. And, um, I'm not going to bash with him, you know, but I'm just going to lay it out, you know, um, and then see what he has to say. So we go back over um, and I, I get ready to kind of, you know, dive into this. And as I'm getting started, I kind of realized that, that Jimmy wasn't asking this question to argue with us. He was asking this question because he felt like God had forsaken him. Um, and so we we talked to him a little bit more and got to know him and he told us that you know in in the space of a few years his wife had passed away he'd had four strokes um he lost his home and he was now living with his daughter who was basically abusive towards him um and so he felt like god had forsaken him um and he hadn't felt god in a long time. Uh, and that was pretty heavy, you know, for a 20-year-old to, to try and grapple with um, or to even start. But my companion and I, over the next couple of weeks, we really just focused on teaching Jimmy that he was a child of God um, and that God loved him. And um, you know, we read scriptures with him, we prayed with him, we encouraged him to do that when we weren't there. And um, it kind of all came to a head during this one lesson. I was sitting next to him on the couch. Um, and he, you know, was just talking about everything he'd been through, and he, he broke down crying, and he was just sobbing sitting there. And um, it, it sounds a little silly, you know, and it's proof that it wasn't my idea, but I, I, I had a, a strong feeling to just put my arm around his shoulder and and say, Jimmy, this arm is the Savior's arm. Um, and just like that, he stopped coming. Um, and I, I think about that a lot. Um, you know, I remember standing in the font uh, to baptize for the first time um, a young man named Terry. And standing there, I felt like it was kind of like an out-of-body experience. I felt like I was standing behind the Savior, and he was actually the one baptizing. Hmm. Um, you know, even though I was the one who put him under the water, it was Jesus who performed the baptism. Um, and it was kind of the same feeling when I was sitting there with Jimmy on his couch. Um, and a couple of days later, we came back, and I saw Jimmy smile for the first time. Um, and 
and he was it was like he he just done a 180 and you know he was he was chatting with us and then it was like i've been reading the scriptures and i've been praying and god's been speaking to me again and and i feel god in my life again um and that was like one of the most amazing experiences that i had on my mission he uh he was just way too old to go to church um you know so he didn't get baptized um he actually ended up passing away later that year but um it meant it meant as much to me maybe even more um to see the change in him because you know we, we helped him remember his savior um and, and then when about to have a mission yeah man again another another fantastic story and what what a great reminder that i mean it's it's about turning to christ right it's not about uh missionaries going out there and and putting baptisms on the wall or anything like that it's about turning people to the savior mm -hmm. and then the savior takes care of it the holy ghost takes care of it they do the teaching mm -hmm. wow yeah that was definitely a theme of my mission um I was very fortunate to be able to teach several people who entered the waters of baptism. But every time I did, you know, when when it was coming down to the wire, you know, because every baptism was stressful, but um, I would always pray and, and I would ask the Lord to baptize me. And I would say, like, this this isn't my baptism, it's yours. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would, I would ask him to do it. Um, every, and every time I, I offered that prayer, um, it happened. Um, but you know, some of the best experiences I had on the mission were with people that I only met once or twice. Um, you know, because they're passing through town or um, you know, any other circumstances, and we would just have this incredible encounter where I would share a verse with them and it was exactly what they needed, you know. I remember one time um I bumped into this lady in a parking lot at an apartment complex, and I was like, Can I share a scripture with you? um and and she kind of talked to us for a minute and she said that her um her daughter had just passed away um she was only four or five and this this lady she was like i'm scared to death because she's just in the ground and she's it's cold and dark and and she doesn't have anyone with her and, you know so she didn't really understand like is she in heaven like where where is she so i opened up to alma um you know, and I read about the spirits uh, of those who died being taken home to the God who lives in life and being in a state of peace and happiness. And like the like, I I saw like the stress like just tumble off her shoulders. Yes. Um, when when we shared that verse with her, and it was exactly what she needed. And I never saw her again. You know, she didn't have a phone, so like I tried to you know set her up with this train, but she's like, <laughs> not gonna work. I don't think. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but it was it was exactly what she needed, you know. And that was really what missionary work was for me was just being what the people needed, uh, not trying to get out of them what I was doing, you know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, that's kind of I could I could you know talk further about missionary work because I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so you've got you're having some great missionary experiences. Yeah. Come home from mission and everything is just smooth sailing from there on out. You're good to go. 
uh, for about a week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Um, so uh, I met my wife um, about six months after I got home, and uh, our first date was to a baptism. <laughs> Man, you are all in. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever heard that before. Yeah, no, it's really cheesy, but uh, we we didn't plan it that way. We were gonna go on a on a we were gonna go out another night, but then she texted me. She was like, I, "Bad news, I got to work that night," and so I'm like, "Well, tomorrow night I'm speaking at a baptism, but you can come to that with me if you want." And she was like, "Sure," and uh, I was really nervous because I was like, "This is the lamest date ever." That's <laughs> the um, awesomest date ever. Well, yeah, right. But so I thought it was cool, but. I was like, you know, worried because I, I was, you know, she wouldn't like it. But I remember we, uh, we sat down in the Relief Society room. You know, I'm like scared. This is this is not going to go well. And I look over at her, and she's just got like the biggest smile on her face. And that was when I knew that there was something special about her. Yeah, yeah. Because she was exactly where she wanted to be that night. Yeah. Um, and then we went to the Cheesecake Factory, and we we're talking. And I'm like, so what's your favorite movie? This is a big deal for me. Okay. And she's like, well, I had to pick, I'd probably say Star Wars. <laughs> and my jaw just dropped. <laughs> I was like, all right, smoke the temple now. <laughs> done. It's done. It's over. We're in. Yeah. Um, That's pretty funny. Yeah. So we got married um, about a year after I got home from my mission. Um, and then we had our first kid pretty quick. Um, and it was around the time my son was born uh, that things kind of went off the rails for me, um, as far as my my testimony in the church goes. Um, so it was the uh, general conference of April 2018, and um, I there that was the the session where there was like a ton of changes and okay. a lot of cool announcements. And so I was really interested in like what uh, other people had to say about this. So you know, I'm on Google like. You know, looking for discussion boards or something, and I kind of stumbled across some some anti or, or ex Mormon um, discussion boards, um, and I kind of ended up going down the rabbit hole. You know, I'm sure you've heard that term before. Mm -hmm. um, and I read a lot of things and uh, learned about a lot of things that I didn't know about the church. Um, a lot of it was pretty upsetting to me. Um, a lot of it really called into question, you know, what I believe and what I was supporting. Um, and the big problem was, and I didn't realize this till later, but I had basically, you know, since since this experience, you know, in high school. Uh, you know, where my faith in Christ really began. Until this point, you know, when I'm married now and my mission's over and everything, um, about half of my testimony was in Jesus and the other half was in the institution of the church. Um, specifically, okay. like, how impressive the church is. You know, things like how many missionaries are serving, how many temples are we building, how cool the apostles are, you know, stuff like that. Like, those things are, like, really lifting up my faith and my testimony. Um, and so then I learned a lot of things about the church that weren't very cool. Um, and it just like shot all that out from the bottom. Um, and, and, you know, it felt like my faith was crumbling. 
Um, you know, and so I, I won't really get into all the specifics of the issues that I was looking at. Um, but it, it basically, you know, I, I did a lot of reading, I did a lot of research, and I came I came to a conclusion that, and I, I thought to myself, I really have enough evidence here that I could say with, you know, pretty good certainty, the church is probably not true. Um, and and I could justify myself in, in walking away from it, or at least not attending it. But I also had a lot of personal experiences uh, that pointed to the church being absolutely true and being everything it claims to be. Um, you know, so I had a lot of physical evidence and I had a lot of subjective experiences. And I, I felt like it could really go either way, like a coin toss in there. Um, so, so I took a step back and I realized that. You know, I wasn't sure if the church was true anymore. But the one thing I could not deny was that Jesus Christ is real. And that he's my savior. Um, I, I've just had too many experiences with him. Um, you know, some that are, are kind of personal, really, to share very often. Um, but that I, I just know that he's real. Um, and I really believe. And... And I often say, like, I, I can forget everything I know, and I'll still know that Jesus Christ loves me and is my Savior. Um, and so because of that, I knew I could trust him. Um, so I kind of turned it over to him. And I said, you know, Lord, I really want to make the right decision here. If this isn't the right church, I expect you to tell me so I can go find something better. Um, but if this is the right church, please tell me it's true so I know I need to stay. And the answer I got was not what I was expecting. Rather than telling me, yes, the church is true, or no, it's not, he said very simply, uh, you know, the, the thought came into my mind, mind very clearly, you are where I want you to be. Hmm. Um, and that cut right to my heart. Uh, because I realized the question wasn't whether X and Y historical issue you know, could prove or disprove uh, Joseph Smith, whatever, you know. The question is, am I where Jesus Christ wants me to be? And if I can answer that question, then then everything else is secondary. I don't I don't need to worry about it as much, you know. Um, it's, it's still important questions to ask, but um, I don't need to, you know, I can make a decision now while I'm still looking for those answers. Um, and so I, I knew I was where he wanted me to be. And that really attracted me because on my mission, you know, in the, in the South, I met a lot of people who uh, would tell me about how they came to find their church and like the spiritual experiences that they had. And on more than one occasion, the, the spirit kind of whispered to me, like, you're not going to be able to argue with this. Like, basically, they are where they're supposed to be. Um, and, and I really believe that. You know, I, I don't think that the purpose of this life is to become a Mormon. Because uh, if it is, then most people have come here for nothing. The purpose mm -hmm. of this life, you know, the Book of Mormon teaches us is to prepare to meet God, to have experiences that we can't have in, in, in the spiritual world. For a lot of people, that means joining the church in this life. But um, there's, I kind of think that, there, you know, there's more, more to it than that. Um, in a way, but 
um, I, I really believe that, you know, this church is unique because it is Jesus Christ. I think um, every other church was established by people to try to find Christ. This church was established by Christ to try to find people and bring them home. Um, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why I chose to stay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, what does President Nelson say that the greatest thing to do right now is the gathering of Israel? Mm-hmm. And, and he defines that, and, and forgive me for not having it memorized, but, you know, he defines that as giving everybody on both sides of the veil the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not about baptizing everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't know if everybody is, su- is supposed to be baptized. I don't know if everybody is supposed to be a member of the church. I don't, I don't know if they are. I don't know if they aren't. But, you know, I like what you're saying of we certainly, you didn't say this, but everybody has their own path. Yeah. yeah everybody has their own path to walk. And mm-hmm. I agree. The, the one thing that I can feel completely good about is if everybody can say kind of what you found right now, I'm where Christ wants me to be. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that this is where he wants me to be tomorrow. Right. Because we believe in progression. We believe in seeking out truth and finding it. But right now I'm where Christ wants me to be. And man, an individual can have a lot of confidence if, if they can answer that question every day. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, I, I wonder to myself, like, what would the world be like if uh, every spirit-led person who, who was willing to listen to God's voice was all part of the same church? Mm-hmm. You know, what about everybody else? Um, because on my mission, you know, I met people in other churches and they were reaching people and helping people that would never let me in the door. As a sure. Uh, sure. But they were more willing to, to hear from, you know, a pastor of, of a denomination they were familiar with or like their neighbor, um, you know, or, or a family member. Um, so I really think that God can reach, reach everybody. Like we do not have a monopoly on revelation. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, this, this did something really interesting for me too, because, um, I like my, I, I like to, I kind of think that my faith is like a subjective thing in that I can prove it for myself, but I can't prove it for anybody else. Um, and one thing that kind of broke my testimony in the beginning was I was trying to argue what I believed from an objective standpoint. Um, and I was trying to say that I believe what's true for everybody. And, and this is truth regardless of who you are. And we certainly believe that as a church. But for me personally, you know, I don't really think that I can quite argue my faith that way. So instead, I'd say, this is what I believe, and it's based on my subjective experience. And kind of like what Joseph Smith said, uh, I wouldn't believe what I do if I hadn't had the experiences I had. Um, yeah. You know, and he said, I, I don't fault any man who doesn't believe my experience, you know, unless they have it themselves. Um, and, and so because of that, my faith can't be defeated by, you know, criticism of the church. Um, or evidence because my faith is based on spiritual experiences um, and and so like in, in a lot of ways you know the last few years my faith has really kind of reformed um, and it's gone from like this kind of rigid um, structure that you know was 
50-50 built on Jesus and, and built on men, basically. It's now, it's much more built, you know, not entirely, but much more built on Christ. It is also much more flexible. Mm. Um, and and it's, it doesn't snap as easily, and it, and it can endure a lot more. Um, it can endure criticism um, and, and, and challenges and things like that. So does that make sense to what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, uh, you know, that absolute truth is can can be a hot button, a hot topic right mm-hmm. now. Um, I think that, and I, and I feel it's safe to say that the church establishes, yes, there is absolute truth. However, right, yeah. the fact that or the time in which we understand something perfectly is very rare. That's mm-hmm. that's the flexible part, number one. And number two is everybody's relationship with the Savior and with God is completely unique. Mm-hmm. And so each of us are coming at it from different angles. So I always think to myself, is there absolute truth? Yes. Do I understand it? No, I don't. I don't I don't see the whole elephant, you know, to, to go back to that. Is there actually an elephant out there? Yep, there is, 100%. Yeah. I don't feel all of it, though, and other people do. Yeah. So the fact that we have different experiences doesn't mean that there's not an elephant. It yeah. just means that we need to be much more willing to hear somebody else's description of the elephant and incorporate it into ours. And, you know, of course, torturing the metaphor feeling the spirit about that and and tying in to something else that you said of making sure that our testimony as much as possible is built on the savior Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's something that we all say, but it's hard to believe, you know, we always say, well, the prophet isn't perfect. You know, the, the, the organization of the church isn't perfect. And that's a hundred percent true, but that's really hard when you butt up against it. Mm-hmm. And there's a situation, or maybe you you know you learn something of the past, or you learn something uh, that's currently going on, something that happened in a ward somewhere around there, or something. And you go, I don't think that was. That's not how I would have handled that situation. Maybe it's because you don't have the perspective perspective that they do, or mm-hmm. yeah, maybe it's because that was an imperfect moment. Mm-hmm. And and I agree with you 100. If your testimony is built on the church, if your test, the organization, or even further away than that, if your testimony is built on the culture, that's going to fail you. Right. I can almost promise you that's going to fail you one day. However, if your organization is based on the savior and then the savior is saying, I've established this organization and I've given it the authority to perform the ordinances that I've prescribed for salvation. And, and by the way, going back to what you said, by the way, that organization does not have a corner on goodness or on revelation or on happiness, bringing people to me. Yeah. The only thing that organization has a corner on is the authority to perform ordinances. I really, I really like that because I, I talked to a lot of former members of the church online and it, it seems to me like one of the biggest shelf-breaking items for people is, is always just like misunderstanding what this is really all about. Um, because I remember growing up and I remember kind of being led to believe that members of the church are happy people and, uh, people outside the church are living miserable lives and they have no meaning. And then I went on my mission and I met a lot of people that weren't members of our church and they were way happier than a lot of members that I knew. And And doing good and sharing the gospel. Right. Yes, yes, yes. 
And, and it really caused like this moment of disconnect for me uh, because it didn't make any sense. Um, but I realized that that was a misconception and I was wrong about that. And like you said, the, the church doesn't have a monopoly on people doing good things. Um, there are a lot of good things about the church, but a lot of that stuff isn't unique to the church. Right. Um, it, it's found elsewhere too. And, and so like kind of going back to how my faith has changed, it's really just for me about being realistic about about the world that I find myself in. Um, and a, another thing I, I focus on a lot is people who have and who have not subscribed to the beliefs that I do. Um, and I think that the way that you talk to people needs to be a little bit different. Um, you know, when, when we're in elders form or Sunday school, you know, we can, you know, talk about things like this is this is the truth. You know, this is what God has revealed. But I think that we kind of do ourselves a disservice when we're talking to people that don't believe like we do, and we carry that same kind of tone into that conversation. I think it's really beneficial to be able to say, "This is what I believe, but it's possible and wrong." Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't have any physical evidence that I can show you that proves I'm right, but I believe it based on spiritual experiences. But don't take my word for it. Um, I, I just think that's a lot more palatable. And people are more willing to listen if that's kind of the place you're coming from yeah well and i think often i mean you know speaking of imperfection i know i've done this a thousand times myself but accidentally crossing that line between confidence and arrogance yeah being able to because all of us want to bear a solid testimony and say i know the church is true and, and i think we should and i think when the spirit prompts man you let it rip double barrel yeah but making sure that, that doesn't come across as and you're an idiot if you don't believe me, right. or you're not in tune, or you're a terrible person. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's a that's a difficult. It's it's really easy to kind of go looking for those uh, Joseph Smith standing in chains, you know, chains <laughs> of the infernal pit, you know, <laughs> that kind Let's of stuff. Maybe ease up on that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see a dungeon around here. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Well, man, I have kept you way longer than I promised. Thank oh, yeah, you no, that's, so that's much. Fine. Thanks, um, thanks for letting me share with you. Well, last words, anything? Um, well, um, I just, I, I really, really believe in Jesus Christ. Um, I really believe that He's my Savior. I, I believe that the Scriptures about Him are true. Um, my testimony of church, um, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still working on that today. Um, I I can say with certainty that I hope that this church is true in this Christ, and I and I believe it is, and I want it to to be. Um, I I used to say I know, but I don't I don't say that anymore because I really don't. Um, but that's okay. Uh, that's okay for me because um, I know I do know that I'm where I'm supposed to be. Um, and if if anybody you know is is gone through an experience similar to what I went through. Um, you know, and I, I talk, I talk to people about this from time to time, but I always just say like, the most important thing is, is doing what you think is right. Um, and, and if you believe in God, you know, trying to figure out what God wants you to do, um, because there's a lot of pressure, right? There's, there's a lot of, a lot of people kind of jostling for your attention, um, but you really just got to kind of take a step back and ask yourself, 
you know, where do I want to be and, and where does God want me to be? Um, and and then trust and 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 it takes faith, you know, to make that decision. Um and and really know and I and I really believe that you know whatever path someone is on, if they think if they really think that they're doing what God wants them to do, then it's gonna work out in the end, even even if they got it wrong a few few turns. Um because you know, like we talked about, like we believe in a God who died for us. We believe in a God who who suffered so much for us. I really don't think um, he's he's gonna toss any of us off um, just because you know we got it wrong. Um, I really love what Brad Wilcox says, you know, about Judgment Day. It's not gonna be uh, Jesus kicking people out the door because we weren't perfect enough. It's gonna be Jesus standing there, pleading with us, please stay, don't go. Mm-hmm. We can we can do this. You can get there if you trust me. Um, and I really believe that. I really believe what the scriptures say about him are true. And when he says, I will leave the 99, I will go get the one and I'll bring them back. And I don't think anybody's going to get lost who doesn't want to be. So that gives me a lot of hope, gives me a lot of strength, gets me through the tough times. And there have been a lot of times where, you know, that was really the only thing I can count on was that belief. Wow. Well, Matt, thanks again. I, I appreciate the honesty. I think that resonates with a lot of people. So thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us. Absolutely. Thank you, Matt.